competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the Magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 442. Mr. Samich. Fairgrounds, huzzah. <laughs> I was like, did you freeze? I had to check. <laughs> uh, boy, and, and lucky us, we get two races on turf. If you thought yeah, it was maybe. bad with Lacombe, <laughs> we had to do it one time. We got to do it two times. One of them sprinting, one of them routing. Uh, what do you remember about the fairgrounds turf course from the previous time we did this? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. I've actually went through the last two weeks of fairgrounds races and watched all of the turf races to try and get a better idea of what to expect. Because, yeah, you like that? That's called that's called research, baby. Let's do this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it wasn't many turf races, to be fair. It's like one a week. So made it pretty easy. It was harder finding the turf races than it was taking the time to actually watch the turf races. Uh, one thing that was definitely stood out was that every jockey wanted to be the outside rail on the backstretch. That has changed. It has not been as outside rail heavy since the last time we saw it. So it's playing more like a normal turf course. Uh, still is pretty narrow from a width perspective. Uh, you only have eight horses that can fit on the turf course because they're still not using essentially the inside 12 paths or whatever it is around it. So um, I haven't noticed really any bias from a speed or closer perspective. So nothing that, that stood out there. But yeah, the, the inside of this is ba is better than it was when they ran uh, a few weeks ago in the Comte. So a little more fair of a turf course, more of what you'd expect, uh, but still not uh, not wonderful. The inside still looks pretty beat up, so they're still working on that. But at least we have some turf racing here. And, and you know, the, the second turf race is a little messy. The first one, the sprint, I think is a little more straightforward. I'm going to go a little deeper next. I think we can get a little prices there. But the, the second one is a little, it looks to be a little more formful. And I got to say, the horses we're seeing in this card, are significantly better than the ones we did on the comp day. I thought this was a better card top to bottom for the fairgrounds. Yeah, it, this is the kind of what you expect, the next step in, in the LeCompte and uh, the what, the silver bullet day to the Rachel Alexandra. You know, the, you're supposed to see better horses each time because we're kind of weeding out the lesser horses. And it's nice to see that throughout the card. Uh, I thought it was a, 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 a decent card. I think from a handicapping perspective, there were some tough spots, but... Um, it'll be interesting to see. We've got the big return of Hoosier Philly that we're going to talk about as part of this late pick five. So let's get into it, buddy. Right is up. Mike, uh, fun fact, two runners from last year's Kentucky Derby are making their four-year-old debuts in the sequence. So now just getting Hoosier Philly back, but we're getting those back as well. We'll talk about them a little bit. First leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 18th, race nine. The Colonel Power Stakes, eight males, four and up, plus six. Also eligible pulls. I can't, can't not laugh every time I see that. Uh, going five and a half furlongs on the turf, where'd you go on top? 
Well, you really confused the shit out of me because that was not the Colonel Powers that you had up. And I was like, wait a second, did I handicap the wrong races here? Uh, so I went with the one horse on top here. I went with Ice Chocolat coming in from Woodbine. I like the fact that this horse is pretty versatile. You've got some early speed, but it's able to pass horses to win going six and six and a half on the turf course up there. Uh, has been in grade twos a couple times, ran fourth and second in those two. So a little overmatched at the grade two level. But here at the 100K stakes level, I think it's a very nice fit. I like the post position draw. Should be able to sit right behind the speed, save some ground around the turn, get a nice inside run. I like my boy Ray Lou on him. I'm a big Ray Lou Gutierrez fan, so happy to see he gets them out here for Cassie. It's all systems go here on the one horse. And what's uh, this field leaves a little something to be desired when you're talking about like top level turf sprinters. And so this is a nice spot for Ice Chocolate to, or Chocolate to be able to fall into. Yeah, this is my top pick as well. I really thought three of the last four efforts from this horse would be good enough to win this because of what you said. And uh, fun fact, too, you noticed that the sire is Goldakovic. I read that and I went, hmm, I bet we're related to Goldakova. Goldakovic's dam is uh, Goldakova. So uh, pretty cool to see. Bred to Galileo, this horse must have, uh, Goldakovic must have cost a fortune to buy at auction if they went that way. But yeah, I love this move as well. Uh, the horse did win a group three in Brazil uh, earlier in its career. You know, uh, would look pretty good. Heck, uh, Woodbine in, in, like I said, several of those last races. Um, I also used the three all in sync. This was next up for me. Kind of like building off of what I said about Ice Chocolate, that three of the four past races could win this. Two of his last three efforts, uh, you know, being on turf, they could win this as well. He scratched off that Kentucky Downs effort where they're going six and a half, where that's a lot more like a seven for a long or eight for a long race. You look at the two five and a half for a long turf sprints, he had – uh, had a win, and, and you know the Woodford was probably just too much for him. You see how long he'd been running. He had 11 straight starts without a break there. Ran into Golden Pal, who was the favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Uh, or sorry, Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint uh, off of that one. So I, I like the three all in sync. I like the Tyler Gaffleyons getting back aboard. Did you use this horse? You know how I feel about Steve Asmussen in turf races. <laughs> I struggle using him. And this, this, this spot for all in sync was tough for me. I agree with you if, if we – Believe the numbers on the page, two of the last three are good enough to win. I'm not sure the last one's totally legit. I think Golden Pal blew that race up for the rest of the field from a buyer perspective. Um, so both the time form and buyer, a little skeptical on my part there. That leaves that one race three back. I uh, would, would get it done here if we can return to that at Ellis Park. But I'm not willing. They won that day at 22 to 1. It's been 14 and 36 to 1 in the races since. Now we're staring at 9 to 2 for a horse that I actually think is going to take some money here. It's one of those situations where I wasn't quite willing to uh to throw the price and well michael myers brings us up brings up uh evan singh scratches in the also eligibles in this race are loaded we'll, we'll see who gets in if any of them but the also eligible make this race a little tougher to handicap my second pick here i went to the eight surveillance uh, a horse that uh, is not run on the turf a ton only three tries on the turf ran pretty well last time we saw this horse on the turf at churchill downs going five and a half and an optional 80k allowance ended up running third to totally boss that day but it's been consistently improving since and clearly can handle the turf because that race kind of fits with the races he was running right around there. So I'm going to give the eight credit for being able to handle the turf. And if the eight can transfer the dirt form over the turf, which he beat multiple horses in here last time we covered this card uh, on the comp day, I think, I think the eight surveillance is a very, very dangerous favorite here. So I had one eight as my two must uses. And then I relied on some speed horses that are kind of question marks. And that's the five Yankee seven and the seven and Gaston. Both of them, like, you know, they, they have races that are good enough. They're clearly the two speed in the race in my mind. And Gaston's coming off a wild layoff here. It hasn't run since 2021. So almost a, a full two years here. 
uh, for a barn that only has 40 starters, only start eight horses so far at the meet. So not a, not a well-known lively barn. Mitch Merle takes them out, did win on this horse last time out. So that's definitely a positive. Um, is the speed of the speed in a turf sprint where I don't see a ton of speed? I, I kind of want that. Yankee 7 is the other one that's really interesting to me. This is a seven-year-old who has run on the turf eight times, all of them sprints, has two wins, has a tactical advantage if he wants to be able to go to the front, was entered in that Kelsey, uh, the, the Kenner stakes on uh, the comp day. That one came off the turf. Now we're trying to get back onto it. To me, these are the two gate-to-wire threats, the two speed horses. I'm not sure what to expect from Angaston right off the layoff, so I'm going to go with the other speed horse as well in Yankee 7. But it sets up really well for Ice Chocolate and Surveillance to be sitting right behind these two. Glad to see you use the 7 Angaston, uh, not just because I did as well and for the same reasons, but uh, this is one of four horses that are in this field that actually scratched out of the Kenner um last month because it was rained off the turf uh surveillance was he was he also eligible or what he might have been he was um, the 10 an MTO. i can't he was he was also was he an mto no okay yeah okay so they would have he would have possibly run if it was held on turf i i didn't use him because i think he is better in dirt than turf um he did get an 87 buyer and his last turf effort and finishing third so he's got to only seem to be perfectly informed i just think that uh, transferring that over to the turf at that short of a price, the way that, especially with the way my ticket got structured here, um, that didn't end up using. But yeah, S- Seven Angustin is a horse that you really liked in the Duncan Kenner last week or last month. So uh, glad to see you're using him again here. I am going to add him on this time. Um, if you look at the trainer, you know, the horse, he doesn't have that many horses, but it seems like he spots them well. Uh, you know, was 15% from just 40 starters last week. That's pretty good. So um, I like his chances. And, and as Michael Myers says, Bad Mitch, get rich. So got that going for him as well. Not me. I don't think I've ever had success with Mitch Rowe. Either he loses <laughs> when I bet him or he beats me when I don't. So probably not a great sign for Angus in here. I know you're not usually a fan of that phrase anyways. And I, by the way, I agree with you and with Michael Myers. If, if the nine Evan Singh gets in, uh, that horse could be pretty dangerous as well. Uh, we'll move on here. The second leg of the, I didn't even realize it until now, it's the All-Stakes Late Pick 5 at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 18th. Race 10, it's the grade three mineshaft stakes. Nine older males going a mile and the 16th on the dirt. An interesting fact about this, Mike, a field includes both a son and a grandson of mineshaft. Maybe one of them gets the job done. Where'd you go on top? I hope not. I don't think I'm using either. Um, <laughs> I felt this race, look, again, this is this is kind of like a second version of the undercard that we saw in the comp day. Happy American won that day. Run Classic was in that race. Mr. Wireless was in that race. So a lot of those horses returning here. I went with the two new shooters here, who I think are the most talented two horses in this field. I'm only going to go too deep. Uh, both of these are our first starts on their four-year-old season, but Tawny Port and Pioneer Medina, the three and the seven, I think are more talented than the rest of this field. Big question is, are we going to be able to bring the A effort off the bench? And you look at, okay, well, who are these horses? Oh, Pioneer Medina, Todd Pletcher. Okay. Tawny Port, Brad Cox. Okay. Like two trainers that you trust to bring the best effort from those horses in these like earlier season starts. And I, I realize Pioneer Medina is not technically off a layoff, but it's not run in 2023 yet. So it'll be the first start as a four-year-old. I think an A effort from either of them beats this field pretty easily. I don't want to play Happy American back, who is seven to two, who I had no interest in last time. So I'm not really going to go to the favorite in that sense. You could look at Hoist the Gold on the rail. That was the next one in for me that I didn't end up using, uh, who's kind of stretching out here. But to me, this was a pretty open and shut race where I think the two best horses are three and the seven. And you're getting the prices you are because of the lead up to this race. Tawny Port off the layoff, Pioneer Medina coming back here first out as a four-year-old. So 
because of that, I'm just going to go with those two, and hopefully I can get through, through this one pretty cheap. Uh, we agree with Tawny Port, uh, uh, at least on top here. Um, I didn't use Pioneer of Medina, but uh, I did like Tawny Port in this spot. You look at you know nine starts uh, leading up to through the Pennsylvania Derby. Didn't really ever take a break. He lost the Pennsylvania Derby, but if you consider the fact that he just possibly just was running against Epicenter and Zandon and Epicenter and Zandon again, and you look at who he's been facing, uh, he probably just needed a break. Uh, the, you know, Brad Cox sounds pretty confident in this horse coming back, and uh, Cox is actually 25% with horses returning from similar layoffs straight into graded stakes. So that long layoff, but not super long, integrated stakes is a good move for Brad Cox horses. Um, I did use the, the one-two finishers from the grade three Louisiana stakes last time out. Uh, Mr. Wireless, man, I feel like that horse just needs a little bit of a luck change. He's going to get the job done. Uh, first of all, six starts at the distance, three wins, three seconds, extremely consistent horse. Um, he's got two seconds and three starts at fairgrounds. That You look at the Louisiana stakes, if the damn horse had just changed his lead, I think he ends up beating Happy American. Um Obviously, didn't get the job done, but you know the, the fact that he even improved off of the tenacious stakes when he was second to Happy American again. He had problem changes lead then uh, in that race as well. Change your damn leads. I think you'll get the job done. And he is a, a grandson of mine, Shaft, through dialed in. Um, as far as Happy American, his last three starts really, it's it's hard to say you know why this horse is going to lose. Just looking at the effort that he has consistently at fairgrounds, it's the same track, it's the same distance. I've faded him his last two starts, so this is probably gonna, you know, a bad sign here. But um, you know, the fact that Tony Port's in here will possibly get a better price on a Pioneer in Medina, another new shooter's taking a lot of money here too. So I went three six eight, but I definitely agree with you, Mike. Uh, Tony Port seems like the most likely winner. Did you look at the four Farmington Road at all? No, <laughs> I can't really take that horse very seriously. I mean, the the start two back at Churchill is good enough to compete with this group was 35 to one in that race gets the win was eight to one last time out against happy American, Mr. Wireless. I liked Farmington road a little bit. That race was awful. I mean, just awful. And so you kind of wonder if there's some type of an excuse. And now we're coming back 15 to one on the morning line. If I was going to play any horse back out of that race and look, go back and look, it's not a good race. That, that Louisiana was not a good grade three. And, and that's one of the main reasons I'm like, all right, I'm just going to throw out run classic Tawny port, Farmington Road, Happy America, uh, Happy America, and Mr. Wireless, because they, like they all were in. I'm sorry, Tony Port wasn't, but Run Classic, Farmington Road, Happy American, Mr. Wireless, all coming out of that race. All not I, like it just it doesn't inspire confidence when you go back and you watch that Grade Three Louisiana. I watched it back and I'm like, okay, I do think Mr. Wireless and 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 um, Happy American are the best two horses out of the race, but. Do I really think the race was that good? I mean, plays the oral. It's just like I, I feel like the new shooters here have a big advantage in this spot. And so if I went crazy with someone in there, I would actually take a price with Farmington Road. But Hoist the Gold, I think, is a little interesting on the inside. Did you look at Hoist the Gold at all? Not one that I considered. I mean, he's been facing good horses, but he never – when was the last time he won? It was February of 2022, uh, and it was six furlongs. I get the like the stretching out angle. It's Dallas Stewart at a bit of a price on a big day at fairgrounds. He's got a great jockey, Brian Hernandez Jr., but you know, why was he so far behind um Teano Twist last yeah. or two back at, at Mahoney? Like there's just too many, too many question marks. He's too inconsistent. 
That's fair. I mean, to me, this was one of those races where you're going to have to kind of make decisions on who to use, who to stay away from. You can tell by the odds board. I mean, your favorite's a lukewarm seven to two and happy American. Uh, so this was an interesting one. I'm just hoping one of the new shooters gets it done. I mean, that's, that's really what I'm relying on. Uh, we'll move on to the third leg of the late pick five at fairgrounds on Saturday, February 18th, race 11, the grade three fairground stakes. I hate when they name the tracks to do that. Just name it after a good horse that's been there before. Eight older males going about on the eighth on the turf. Where'd you go on top? Uh, went back to two Emmys, man. <laughs> I don't love myself yeah. for it, but again, I like two Emmys is the class of this field. Uh, lost last time to Gentle Soul, but it seemed like an odd race. Again, the, the turf course was playing really funky. There's not a ton of speed in here. Two Emmys should get a beautiful trip. It was hard to get around the the two, the two horse two Emmys for me, so I put I put him on top. What about you? Yep, same place there. You know, he's had one bad race at Fairgrounds in the last 26 months, and that was last year's version of this. When he came out of it fine, it was just a weird thing. He and Cavalry Charge hooked up in a pace duel, and he faded, and Cavalry Charge just somehow kept going. So uh, I like him a lot. Second up for me, I went with the four Gentle Soul. I know uh, Chalky Chalky there, 3-1, to one, seven to 2 um, He managed to catch two Emmys last time out in the local prep. Two Emmys was second off the layoff. Um in, in that spot, uh, you know, we're stretching out, but General Souls three for four over the fairgrounds turf, all at two turns. And Brett Calhoun and your boy Raylu, 32% together at fairgrounds. As long as he doesn't try pressing the pace like he did <laughs> a few back, not his best tactic. Don't do that. I think he's got a great shot. Yeah, you crossed that race out. He's won four in a row and he's come from off the pace. So can't knock that. It, to me, this was a price issue since I'm using the favorite here with two Emmys. And you mentioned two Emmys going to be second off the layoffs. So you'd expect a step forward here from two Emmys. I just I don't think they should be three to one and seven to two. I think two Emmy should be a, a more significant favorite over General Soul, even though even though two, General Soul beat two Emmys last time out. I took a little bit of a shot. It's my only other horse I'm going to use in here. I'm going to go to the seven horse Corelli. Uh, Jonathan Thomas sent this horse out at a mile and three eighths last time over at Gulfstream Park off of a very significant layoff, almost a, a full year and a half there between a November 2021 race to that January 2023 race was the favorite in that race. I thought ran okay, but not great. But that was also a day where you could not close a lick. And they went 51-116-140. So it was almost impossible for Corelli to be able to close into that pace. Has numbers back in 2021 that are good enough to win this and was in six straight graded stakes before that layoff. Comes back at Gulfstream. That was a N2X optional 62K uh, optional claimer. So it's stepping up here, but this feels like it was the goal off of that race, that that race was more of a setup for the next step forward. So I included the seven Corelli, who will be coming from off the pace, and that's going to be the question. Is there enough pace here to set up for Corelli to be charging? But I feel like I have the best horse up front in two Emmys, the best closer in Corelli. Hopefully we can again get through here with just going too deep. Yeah, that race that you're talking about off the long layoff there, it was uh, race three on Pegasus World Cup Day, and I think that was the uh, the best betting result I had all day was betting that trifecta uh, with the way it came in. You should see plenty of improvement second off. Uh, I didn't love him on top in that race. And I don't know. It almost feels like this is too short for him going a mile and an eighth. You know, it seems like he'd be a little bit better going a little bit longer. But you don't really have options for that uh, right now, um, at least not at anywhere near fairgrounds. So uh, don't mean for that. I'll go to my next horse. There is a, a lot of love in the chat for the six. Uh, pixelate here for Michael Stidham, Godolphin, homebred. Several races on his resume, turf races anyway, where you could point out and be like, yeah, you know, he can, if he re recreates that effort, recreates this effort, he just got a great chance uh, to win. One win, three seconds, and five tries over the turf. 
um, or this specific turf, I should say. And I got a Luis Saez hopping aboard for Mike Stidham, uh, 26% at the meet, 26% horses returning from similar layoffs and getting eight to one. I, this to me feels like a great combination uh, to try and get the job done. Looked a long time at the six. This is my third horse or third pick in the race. I ended up too deep here, so I didn't include Pixley. But uh, very interesting horse at eight to one. Uh, like if I'm playing tournaments, to me, it's the seven or the six that I'm using. It might be the six because of the you have. I think the seven may be a more likely winner, but the six is more likely to finish first or second and run a better race, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I, I respect the heck out of the connections there with Sidham and Size, and you the, the fact that Size has even got a board here. Makes Pixelate awfully interesting. Ran second at Fairgrounds, going to mile and 16th in 2021. So it has no issues with this track, although obviously a little different turf course now than it was then. Um, and has the back class to compete with this field. So the six to me makes a ton of sense. I think we got to talk about two other horses in here. Uh, one specifically. So we'll start out with that one. The one horse, Tis the Bomb Magic. Look who showed up. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> What do you think it is the bomb? I mean, it's a, a point. I don't get it. He did, like, no, I just don't get it. It's funny because this horse doesn't have a single number that wins this race on paper. Right. Not even close. Um, would now first, first start as a four-year-old. So definitely could improve. Do you think tis the bomb goes off the favorite? God, I, I mean, if, especially if you support him, you better hope not because McPeak is not winning this race if that horse is the favorite. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, Michael says 9-2 is crazy. I'd be yeah. shocked if you get 9-2 or higher on the race day. I mean, I, I think this is maybe your 5-2 to two favorite, maybe bet down to that 3-1 to one range. It depends how much money two Emmys gets, but there is some love for Tiz the Bomb. I, I would be surprised if this one doesn't take money. Well, Michael Myers says he got second to a monster at Breeders' Cup Juvenile, that monster being modern games. The problem is point to a single race after that on turf where you can say, yeah, th he'll win off of that. Like He was so good back then and then early in his three-year-old season. Um, if this was on synthetic, I think maybe that he'd have a better chance if this was at Turfway Park. I don't like him off the layoff, but it is, hit a bomb is 16% uh, well above average for having horses that are four and up uh, six feet in general. So not for me, especially not when you, you know he's probably going to get a, a ton of money here. Uh, the other horse you want to talk about is it the eight Bay Street money? It is. I, I believe you're using this horse, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Do you uh, do you want to talk first, or do you want me to get make my case? <laughs> well, I, I didn't use it at all, so go for it. <laughs> uh, listen, you see, Maker took over the horse from Atris uh, last fall. Goes right to Keeneland for a tough allowance race. Gets the job done. Uh, wheels right back at Churchill Downs, going two turns in the next level allowance. Gets the job done. Uh, we go to Gulfstream Park. We cut back to a mile. Hey, listen, we had Rosario on board. Getting third by a length, I think, was pretty damn good effort, all things considered. <laughs> by the way, uh, I did hear that he he finally got his first win in a very long time. So genuine congrats to him. I uh, hope he can turn things around here. But just steady improvement since Maker took over. And I like that uh, Tyler Gaffleone is going to be aboard him. They do fantastic work together, 18%. Um, this just feels like that kind of Mike Maker horse that – Got his hands on once it was older, and then it's just like, you know what? We're going to build you up, and we pop up here at a mile and an eighth turf race, and then you know, next time maybe we're at a mile and a half somewhere. So it uh, feels like a great spot, and I, I like six to one. Yeah, going to have to keep taking steps forward uh, to be able to compete here. I thought it was interesting. Did end up in the Chad Brown barn for a quick cup of coffee in one race. So they clearly thought something of this horse as it was getting older, because rarely do you see horses go from another barn to Chad Brown. Uh, left right away afterwards. So it, 
there was talent in the early years, and now Maker gets a hold of this this project, in which you mentioned very wisely, he often does well with these type of projects. So there are crazier things that could happen. I wouldn't try and talk anyone off of Bay Street money. Um, I thought the improvement would be need to, need to be a little bit too big here to be able to win this race. But I can see your case that as they go longer and longer, this horse could win at a mile and a half, something like that down the line when Maker really can get the horse to progress forward. Um, all right, Mike, let's move on. We had a good talk here on this one. We'll move on to the penultimate leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 18th. And race 11, sorry, race 12 is the grade two Rachel Alexander stakes. Only six three-year-old fillies in here. They're going to mile and 16th on the dirt. There's 50 Kentucky Oaks points to the winner. Heavy favorite at six to five. And, and if you thought nine to two was a joke on the previous horse, six to five is a pipe dream on Hoosier Philly here, Mike. Uh, I know we both use it here. Uh, talk about what you like about with Hoosier Philly. Uh, I mean, she's she's looked the best of any Philly that we have seen in this three-year-old crop so far. I mean, that's really that simple. She's never really been tested, won by open lengths every single time. Uh, the, the buyers are a little bit lighter than someone like Chop Chop, but that's because she has not really tried yet. So we don't really know what the full depth of Hoosier Philly's talent is. Six to five is ridiculous here. I mean, maybe Chop Chop keeps her above three to five but that's probably going to be more likely what you're going to see is off odds here love the fact that she's got tactical speed but she can still close with a kick i mean that that great two golden rod was just phenomenal i mean beat knock your socks off who's the three horse in this spot 12 to one on the morning line by open lengths um pretty mischievous ran third in that race came back to win next time out got an 80 buyer going at fairgrounds here next time out so two pretty good horses behind her last time you, you can't really knock who she's beaten and she beat them very easily uh, again, never really asked in that race and just kind of ran off. So she's been wildly impressive. There's been whispers of Derby for her. Those whispers have been quashed and now are reappearing. Um, we'll see what happens here with Hoosier Philly and how well she, if she can run her way back into Kentucky Derby talk with Tommy Mills today or this weekend. But clearly right now, the leader in the clubhouse for the Kentucky Oaks. Oh, absolutely. And, and she is triple crown nominated. Uh, Michael Myers, she actually was 11 to one to end the Derby future pool, but she was the second, second shortest price behind Forte, which is insane. The triple crown nomination, if, if you really want to go that route with her, it feels like you do what the, the you know, do this with skydiver with secret. I'll go to the Preakness and see if you can get, if you really clear off in the Kentucky Oaks, go there. Uh, but Tom Amos is very wisely saying that, you know, we're, we're taking it one step at a time. We're not going to go overboard with our aspirations. She's got to come back as a three-year-old and show that she hasn't lost a step. Uh, I singled her in here. Uh, the fact that she had uh, two next out winners, um, pretty mischievous. And then, oh shoot, I forget the horse's name. Uh, but there were two next out winners from the golden Rod, defining purpose. Um, they both came back to look really great. Um, get wins there, you know, but she's just so handily beating all these horses. Um, I like, I think I know where you're going with your other pick here. You're going for a long shot use as well. Um, are you expecting that possibly the sixth miracle just gets loose on the front end? She's never gone two turns before. Yes, I am. I'm going to see if we can pull off a gate to wire miracle upset on the sixth miracle. It's 12 to one longest shot on the board. We'll call longest shot would knock your socks off. Clearly the speed of the speed here. Um, and if you're going to beat Hoosier Philly, I think the way to beat her is go gate to wire in this field of six. You can see some funky things happen in six horse fields. And if miracle is able to get loose and go slowly up front and look, there's other horses in here who have speed, but no other horse has ever been in the lead after a quarter of a mile or half mile in this race. No one else has ever been in the lead, which is really rare when you're talking about three-year-olds who are in graded stakes this early in their career. So Miracle should easily clear this field. 
and should be able to slow them down. This is first time in the Todd Pletcher barn, left the Rudolph Brissett barn, headed over here. I realize we've run an only state bread stakes. I realize we've only won, we broke our maiden and have not won since. And that's why we're getting 12 to one here, but clearly lone speed for a trainer that is aggressively placing this horse in my mind. And you get Johnny V up, who's done very well rating speed like this on a track that can tend to play towards speed. I, give me the six miracles, my other use here. We're going to try and see if we can just upset the apple cart here with a big bomb going gate to wire against the number one most singled, most bet horse in the entire sequence. Yeah, I think if you were going to go for uh, for a long shot pick here, that's a great one to use. Pretty mischievous, looks good. She's, you know, I considered possibly, you know, if she has a chance, she'd probably be the next one up for me um, just because I think that she's got the edge that she's in form. Hoosier Philly's got that layoff since November. Pretty mischievous ran uh, and won the untappable stakes a month later and looked pretty good. And then the alleys looked was second there and came out of it to beat um, to beat Chop Chop in the Silver Bullet day. So, so I bet she's got a lot of talent, but especially with the way the prices are going and, and going to play out here, uh, I, I needed to single her. I like that she's using the 12 to 1 shot there. Uh, let's move on. Oh, go ahead. I want to actually talk about two others. So Chop Chop, neither of us are using. Sure. I can't. I just can't with Chop Chop right now. <laughs> for, for me, <laughs> that's really the easiest way to put it. I, I think Hoosier Philly is better than Chop Chop. I think Chop Chop's going to get that because that buyer last time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like she should have won that race if she was that good. Did you look at the one Vava at all? Uh, Vava, yeah, I liked her in the untappable stakes. I thought she had a pretty decent chance there and didn't get the job done. But she was way off the pace because he, she blew the start, if I remember yeah, right. She so, blew it badly. I, I think she's a great use underneath. I, just, I don't know that she's quite at Hoosier Phillies level yet, but I don't think she's that far behind. Yeah, I, I, you're getting eight to one because of that start last race. If she had won that race as a dollar ten favorite, she would be, I don't know, she'd be the second choice behind Chop Chop, but that eight to one would be look, looking a lot more like three to one in this spot. Um, so there is a little bit of value if you want to just cross off the last for Baba and go back to it. Uh, someone was mentioning tournament horses in here. To me, the one in the six. Are, are the two horses that I would use in tournaments. Either you think the six is going gate to wire or the one you're getting some real value in because of the blown start last time. Um, but this is an interesting tournament race because you really can't use Hoosier Philly. You could make an argument for Chop Chop in some spots. Uh, but the one and the six, I think, are both going to be usable horses. And it'll be interesting to see how the blend is in actual tournaments. If that's the, Those are two horses that are leaned on. And you got to love the size is, is staying aboard Vava as well. See if, see if Vava go boom next time out, or on, uh, on Saturday here. The Rachel Alexander stakes. Let's move on, Mike. The fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 18th. It's the grade two Risen Star stakes. A huge field here. 14 three-year-old males going a mile and an eighth on the dirt. 50 Kentucky Derby points to the winner. Are we going to see another epicenter or are we going to see just a, a poop of a race here? Where are you going on top? Uh, I think this is okay. I think this field is, is leaves something to be desired. But man, is it competitive? <laughs> like, I'm not sure we're seeing the Kentucky Derby winner or runner-up coming out of here. But there's a lot of different directions you can go if you really want to bet it. Um, I put the eight Tappets Conquest on top. I, I had determinedly like up there on my list. I was I was thinking I was going to pick determinedly coming into this race. I knew I wasn't going to pick Victory Formation because of the post and because of everything else going on. Went back and watched that allowance on the comp day. Tappet's Conquest had a really weird race. I mean, just couldn't quite get into the bit at one point, backed off, and then made this move. This race is longer than that race is. 
I think Tappet's Conquest has the pace set up here to run really big. Brad Cox on Fireman. I realize he's got the 13 year as well, victory formation, but I think Tappet's Conquest has a little more upside. I like Tappet's Conquest second off the layoff, and I like the six to one price. So give me the eight, Tappet's Conquest on top. I went four deep here. We. Uh oh. Did Magic freeze or did Mike freeze? Uh, I don't think I froze. No, oh, you're back. Okay. There we go. Well, it I'm was back. me. That was weird. I know that was me. I don't know why my internet suddenly went poopy poopy. Uh, anyways, I, I agreed with you on Tappet's Conquest. It wasn't my top pick, but I, I loved it. The allowance race was the only horse to gain on determinedly here. Man, Brad Cox and Ferrari drew 42% at the meet, and they're not using them in the whole previous race with Chop Chop. Like, it's one of these is going to hit at least. So um, I'm glad we agree on this one. Uh, we agreed on two of the four horses I used. Uh, let's talk about the nine, Curly Jack. Not my top pick as well here, but this horse since last fall when he got that or in his last race in the Kentucky Jockey Club, Amos said we're stopping and we're going to aim for the Risen Star. This has been the goal. He wanted him to just have some time off to grow. Tons of traffic trouble in, in the Kentucky Jockey Club. At one point, you thought maybe he would have won that race with better uh, a, a better trip. And Instant Coffee won that race, and we saw him come back and win the Grade 3 LeCompte. Good works leading up to it. And 8-1. to one, I felt like this horse would take a lot more money. Maybe he will. Maybe 8-1 to is not what we get here. Yeah, this was, this was my third horse on the ticket. Uh, the trip trouble was real in that Kentucky Jockey Club, man. I went back and watched that race again. Look, Instant Coffee stayed out of it, went 3-wide, three 3-wide. Three Curly Jack had just issues around pretty much both turns the, in the lane. Couldn't get loose until later ends up running well there. We've seen what instant coffee has become. And that kind of flatters Curly Jack even more coming out of that start with a cleaner trip. They are close. Curly Jack maybe even wins. So I feel like eight to one's a crazy price here. I think a lot of the reason you're getting it is because it's just not that sexy of a pick, right? I mean, people want to take determined. They want to take Tabit's conquest. They want to take even two fills. who ran second last time to instant coffee. They want to take victory formation. It's just, there's a lot of other ways to go, and, and Curly Jack leaves something to be desired. But like you said, Amos was pointing for this race. He wants to try and sweep these two races with Hoosier Philly and then with Curly Jack. The trip trouble is real. Go back and watch that if you haven't watched it because it will affect how you feel about Curly Jack in this race, I believe, and should get a nice setup again. We talked about, or I mentioned, there's a ton of speed in here. I, Curly Jack should be able to sit fifth or sixth around both turns, be able to make a nice run because we're in the nine post, probably won't get buried on the rail like we did last time. So I'm hoping for like a two wide, two wide trip and sixth and being able to pounce and then make up a ground down a long stretch, which should be a benefit for a horse like Curly Jack as well, who kind of grinds away versus having that massive turn of foot. Well, and he's got two wins or sorry, winning a second at Churchill Downs going a mile on the 16th, almost just as long as the stretch at fairground. So uh, he looked great in you know, the Kentucky Jockey Club. Maybe that extra 16th of a mile, maybe he ends up getting up uh, for the win there. So we're going to diverge now. I did end up using uh, victory formation on top here. Uh, I'm not that worried about the post. I think because he's going to have a longer stretch to try and get over and get into a good position. Undefeated in three starts, including the Smarty Jones going a mile last out. Based off the breeding, you would think that stretching out is exactly what this horse wants. He's by a Belmont Stakes winner, so he should have no issue with it. Um, you know, like Taffet's Conquest, he's in form right now. He's, he seems to be doing uh, very well on the track. So I'm going to put him here. I understand the post plus the short price he's going to be here. I understand that being a concern. I just thought the way he won the Smarty Jones and having to deal with the outside post with a quick run in the first turn, it didn't really matter that much. 
Yeah, I mean, I have not been a big Victory Formation fan for the last month and a half, so I'm sure it's no surprise to you or anyone else who regularly watches the show that I'm not going to not going to use the horse. Uh, there's going to be pace pressure to the inside. I think it's going to be tougher to clear for Victory Formation than people may necessarily think. I think he's going to have to go a little faster if he does want to clear than he may necessarily want to. So when I combine that with the fact that I wasn't as high on the effort that we saw uh, last time out at Oakland and, and the fact that they went 26 seconds for the final uh, quarter of a mile there, it just – to me, there's enough reasons to try and play against a horse like this who is going to get bet down from that 3-1 to one morning line. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to play this short and going to play short with both victory formation and with Hoosier Philly in the last race. And if we can get around one or both, that's going to be the best way to make this thing pay. Felt like the best structure here was not to go crazy from a balloon perspective. So I'm only playing a $54 ticket and try and take your, or pick your spots on where to bob and weave and try and get the right prices home. So for me, Victory Formation is just one of those I didn't want to use. I'm surprised two fills, the 10 horses, 8-1 to one on the morning line here. I thought two fills ran really well last time out in the LeCompte. I, I, that was a good effort against Instant Coffee, who just kind of was able to beat him. Um, and Instant Coffee in this race would probably be your favorite. Like, that's, let's just put that out there as well. Um, so if, if Instant Coffee came right back, I think two fills is as good as or has a resume to stand up with victory formation. And he's proven at the track, proven around two turns. I mean, not a horse I loved last time out, but going to give him credit for what he was able to do in the LeCompte and going to go ahead and use the 10 two fills as well. Uh, he had good success uh, over the track. He's a very well-traveled horse. Uh, you know, he's coming off a layoff. I didn't use him, but the, there are all sorts of science to say that he should be able to take a step forward if he's good enough. Didn't use him this time. I did use him last out uh, with instant coffee, but uh, I'm not going to spot him here. Last one for me, uh, speaking of instant coffee, I'm going to use the other other Brad Cox horse. There's three horses in here. I'm using all three of them. Uh, that is the number six, Angel of Empire at eight to one. First of all, uh, didn't take a ton of money, but was part of Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 4 that just ended last weekend. Um, horse was a good second in the Smarty Jones to victory formation. Uh, before that, he, you know, he got a win at Indiana Grand. Um, his two wins actually in his career, both going up a uh, two-turn mile in the Anna Grand. Okay, so it's not Keelan or something, but he stepped up in the Smarty Jones and he looks pretty good. Dennington has come out of that. Uh, should be, I think he's running Saturday. Fairgrounds, a different race, should be competitive. Um, or maybe he's at Oakland. But either way, I think Angel of Empire showed really good improvement in the Smarty Jones, not just uh, from the buyer, but um, the fact that he you know, was able to finish a very good second to victory formation. He was a top five derby horse right now. And now we're going to stretch out to a mile and an eighth. He's bred to love it. He's almost exclusively been at two turns. So I'll take him. And I'm getting Luis Saez, who's 50%, 9 for 18, riding for Brad Cox uh, in the last year and a half. Uh, they did pretty good with a horse named Essential Quality. We'll see if he turns out to be anything like him. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would be more interested in Angel and Empire than I am Victory Formation, to be honest with you, uh, because of the price. Because you're getting 8 to 1, I think you're going to get a little bit more than that. I think should improve here with the stretch out of distance. I like the fact... It's going to be able to be able to it's going to be able to come from off the pace as well. So Angel of Empire, a little interesting for me there. Um, I'm surprised you're not using Thun Sun Thunder. You've been a Sun Thunder fan for a while here. Now we got Sun Thunder <laughs> showing up at 15 to one. This is the type of McPeak you bet. The 15 to one has the crazy improve, doesn't really fit, but makes sense and gets Brian Hernandez Jr. for some reason. But you're not. Why aren't we using Sun Thunder here, Magic? I mean, I. I like him. I, I think he's a great play at a price to hit the board. I just don't think he's good enough to beat it. Like, if Victory Formation is, is at his best, if the post doesn't bother him, I think he's easily the winner of this race. Tappet's Conquest has got more upside. 
Sun Thunders, I loved him for the you know fantasy league purposes. I was like, oh, McPeak will run him a bunch. He'll hit the board. I just, as far as a win goes, it's not a track or a setup where I think it's going to favor him too well. Uh, he's a lot more of a you know Johnny come lately, and he comes with a big rush, but he'd probably be a little too late. We've got Harlow Cap, the first Baffert to ship out of the barn, uh, jumps into the Asperson barn. I think it was a surprise for both of us here. Johnny V rides going to be one of the pace presents. Does Harlow Cap have a prayer? <laughs> Uh, he definitely does. The big question is, can he handle uh, – uh, my big issue with him is he just worked for Baffert like he was like, wearing the Baffert saddlecloth uh, on the 11th, 11th of February, five days ago. Now he's going to ship to Fairground. Like they had to enter him for Asmussen. Like right, like the entries were taken that Saturday. Like they had to you know, get him in there soon. So he works for Baffert in the morning, and then there's a, a, a change. But he's never been to Fairgrounds. He's never shipped outside of California. I got I got some concerns. Spun intended was super impressive winner on debut uh, when Harlow Cap was second in that race, but Spun intended didn't really take a step forward and he got hurt. But he already was not doing well. And was it the sham stakes that he was in? So not much to push off of that. Mister Fisk is decent, but Michael Olson brings it up that you know Harlow Cap wasn't even a top ten Baffert, and by the time he was breaking his maiden last out, the big reason that he does have a prayer though. Johnny V's riding him back. Like Johnny V came across the country, didn't go to Oakland, didn't stay in California, didn't go to Gulfstream. He's here. He's here. And, and you've got to think at least part of that reason is to ride Harlow Cap. Probably the pace threat to victory formation. Would you, you think they're going to hook up early? Is that the, the logical one too around the first turn? I I would bet the victory formation probably sits just off of him a little bit. It's probably going to be, you know, inside outside like that with the way that they're drawn here. But you've got to think you got to think Price not going to just uh, go up there and get in a suicide duel with Harlow Cap. You would think they wouldn't. We'll see what happens. I, I don't think there's any strategy but to send for Harlow Cap, and I think that makes Victory Formation's life a little bit more difficult on what what we're going to see from from that 13 post. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a big step up too for uh, for the horse to you know go from breaking his maiden straight into this spot. One horse we haven't talked about, and we can move on from uh, afterwards. The there's actually a maiden in here. Kruppi, uh missed by a head to Slip Mahoney last time out going to one turn mile at Aqueduct. Slip Mahoney probably going to be a favorite for the Gotham Stakes at Aqueduct next month. He's faced good horses, but my issue is with with, with Kruppi, that classic catch race. Like he he had a chance too bad going a mile and an eighth. He had a chance and he got beat. And classic catch was one of the two Pletchers that was in the four horse Tampa Bay Downs race that finished third and fourth. So I don't know that. He's good enough to get the win. Clearly, he's he got two seconds of three thirds and five starts, but he's kind of like a command performance this year. Good horse to own, but I don't know if you can. When do you ever bet him to win? Yeah, this is one of those that I went back and forth on because uh, I don't love betting a maiden in these type of races. Obviously, he's never missed the board though, so that's a positive if you're looking at the maiden reasonings. But man, that that second, the first start off the layoff, first start as a three year old. If we can improve off that, all of a sudden we fit from both a time form US and a buyer perspective. Like the, the, it makes sense from a numbers perspective if Fletcher can get this horse to move forward. And it's kind of odd to see this horse show up here. <laughs> I was surprised that this is this is where we're going to have and end up. So I don't hate the idea of, of using this horse if you're going to spread more in this race. I think that that Kruppi's a logical spread horse here at fifteen to one. I think if you're playing or if you're playing exotics, I think Kruppi makes a ton of sense in third and fourth or second and third those type of, of places. Uh, 
one that I'm definitely scared of when they walk into the gate, if I don't have it on my ticket, we'll put it that way. Uh, Carl Ramrod says, I thought that Pratt, the reason Pratt came here is because he can't win in California. You know, if, if I told you that Flavian Pratt's derby horse was going to be a Brad Cox trainee that's racing in Oakland in fairgrounds, like this will be his fourth career start in four different tracks, which is impressive. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure this is the horse I would have thought at the, you know, on December 26th. Like, this is who Pratt's going to have for his derby horse. Uh, we'll see. If, I mean, they're great together, 38% with a very nice ROI, but uh, everyone seems to be pretty good with Brad Cox when he's clicking off at 42%, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> Actually, Cox was only only 24% last year with 222 wins. This year, 43%. And he's 23 for 54 at the meet right now. Uh, wow, 44 from 54 hitting the board. Well, horses of his weren't good enough to hit the board at fairgrounds. Like, that's <laughs> that's it. There's 10 Tap horses, juice. 10 starters. <laughs> Tap and shoes wasn't good enough to hit the board at fairgrounds. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that one. Uh, any other horses here that you wanted to bring up? I think we talked about pretty much all of the uh, – oh, determinedly. You said you were back and forth on him. I think the combination of losing size and this being I, – I don't think he's of this caliber. I think he's like a listed stakes winner, not a graded stakes winner right now. I also have distance issues. Uh, I thought he was getting real tired going to mile and 16th last time. Two races back going to mile and 16th, was in second, faded back to fifth. Now we're going a little bit longer. Like uh, To me, uh, this, this mile and eighth could be a big problem for determinedly. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about Fairgrounds Late Pick 5 on Saturday, February 18th yet. And if you haven't yet, go check out the inside track to the Risen Star Wagering Guide. It's available right now at RacingDudes.com. And remember, if you're subscribing to any of our premium picks or products, the guides are all included for that. It's a $40 value, $30 value, depending on which guide it is. Uh, but you're getting that included with your subscription. So let's go through, Mike, our tickets one last time here for the people. I'll start off. We'll go one, three, seven. With three, six, eight, with two, four, six, eight, single the two, and then six, eight, nine, thirteen at seventy-two dollars. What's your ticket? I'm gonna go one, five, seven, eight with three, seven, with two, seven, with two, six, with eight, nine, ten. That'll be fifty-four bucks for fifty cents. I think we can. Uh, yeah, we'll be. We do be able to Frankenstein together a nice win here with both of our tickets here. So, uh, especially with the eight and nine at nice prices in that last one. Uh, the Risen Star. We've got previews for the Risen Star Stakes. Uh, Razorback Handicap is at Oakland this weekend. Mike just did the Royal Delta Stakes at Gulfstream Park. Kathleen O is back. We're going to throw up the O face. Uh, we'll see what happens. Mike may have an interesting pick in that race that may not be Kathleen O on top. So go check that out at racingnews.com and youtube.com slash racing dudes mike uh any final words or thoughts before we get out of here there's no football to talk about i don't know no we don't have football to talk about we did a bunch of hockey on dudes who bet daily i i actually bashed your red wings not because of how they were playing because they've ripped off four in a row they got screwed by the schedule makers have you looked at the stretch they're on a lot of west coast (laughs) this is their fourth game in uh third game in four nights on the west coast this is their sixth game in nine nights they have another road game after this that's in Washington, D.C. against the Capitals. I mean, it is just a brutal stretch for Detroit. And, and tonight you're going to get the backup Huso played last night. So you got Detroit three games and four nights with the backup goalie against Calgary in Calgary with the Flames needing the game for playoff positioning and the revenge factor because Detroit beat them in Detroit earlier this week. I think Calgary is uh, going to win pretty handily tonight. I would agree with you on that one. And then they go from Calgary two days to the Seattle Kraken 
And then, yeah, they, they don't even, when they're done with that, they fly back to the East Coast. It's not, no, we're not going back home. We're going no. to Washington, D.C. now. So you're just like, uh, you maybe get one night in your own bed and then you're back on the road. Uh, Dylan Larkin had, has come out of the All-Star break looking just fantastic. But I, I'm with you. I don't think this is a good spot. And if you know any teams who might want Tyler Bertuzzi, please give Steve Eisenman a call. I'll let him know. <laughs> Uh, a lot of Red Wings fans are we're okay with I think letting him go. So um, yeah, and I got I did see that I'm speaking to do so bet daily. Uh, my best bet a uh, horse racing pick did win. So uh, keeping that good streak alive. I bet two for three the last two, yeah, the last two weeks of it. So uh, uh, two of three winners. So that's good. Keep that going here. Uh, what was your best bet for today? I am taking oh under in the first period. Boston and the Predators, Nashville and the Bruins, uh, two very good defensive teams, both in the top 10 and goals against. Uh, Boston likes to score. Nashville doesn't. But you're getting both number one goalies. And it's an out-of-conference game, which means that you're probably going to see a little less emotion early, a little feeling out period. So under a goal and a half in the first period is plus 105. So that's what I, uh, I took as my best bet. Um, I also did see, where is it, the comment, uh, Jared, way back when, uh, there is it, number 10 horse in the first at Turfway Park. There's a winner. Uh, horse is currently 6-5, to five, uh, but the Billy Mori, uh, Billy Mori horse in the claiming race at Turfway. Yeah, I think she's probably got a good shot there. Uh, Mimajun, yeah. interesting name, Mimajun. Got Corrales up, too. <laughs> Looks like a couple horses uh, scratched out, too, that were shorter prices as well. Well, good luck if you're playing that. If you're playing Fairgrounds on Saturday, again, remember, go check out the Risen Star Inside Track Wagering Guide at RacingDudes.com. Check out the Summer Bombs all weekend going across the country with lots of big picks. And, of course, the Racing Dudes Rockets. We'll be back on Tuesday next week because it's President's Day. Yes, sir? You should mention one more thing. If you're betting horse racing this weekend, the best pool to bet in is Magic. Is Sam Houston back? The Aqueduct early pick five carried over to this Friday. Two hundred plus thousand dollars sitting in the pick five pool, which is a it's a reasonable takeout. But with the carryover, you're going to see a massive pool tomorrow. Uh, first five races at Aqueduct, the pick six carried as well. So we'll have bombs, we'll have rockets for that as well. If you're looking for that, but the best pool to bet in all weekend is ironically the Aqueduct early pick five on Friday. Well, there you go. I didn't. I uh, you said aqueduct, and that's not what I thought you were going to say at all. <laughs> no, no. But it's it's actually it's interesting. You have a six to five favorite in the first race, but there are two other options. I think you can go for if you're looking for the upset. Uh, there's no turf racing, so it's a little messy up there. The jockeys are kind of questionable as well right now, but that's what creates the upsets. And man, it was just boxcar after boxcar rolling in. I believe it was last Sunday that set this up. There was almost a early pick five. And late pick five carryover from Sunday's Aqueduct card. That's how crazy it got. Well, I bet you can catch out some check out some summer bombs covering that one as well. So make sure you check that out at racingdudes.com. But I'll be back on Tuesday. Enjoy your President's Day weekend, and we'll be uh, here to recap everything that was fun from the weekend. And we will have updated Kentucky Derby uh, picks. So who's our winner? Um, please, God, Cave Rock, keep working out. Don't don't stop on this. <laughs> That's my no more, thing. <laughs> Until Tuesday, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.